0: boss man show onto the eastern shore of maryland to princess Anne up there U M E S es the hawks coach jason crafton on the boss man show coach how's it going up there man, on the eastern shore man
1: i'm chilling man the sun is out we, we got a warm day up here on the eastern shore uh it's a great day to be a hawk i'm chilling here with the boss man uh, I'm excited to be here. Excited to be the head coach at Mount Short And excited to be on your radio show. Thanks for having me.
0: Coach with Double Hawks. I'm an Atlanta Hawk. That's my, that's my side gig. And you're a UMBS Hawk. So we all Hawked Outstay, oh, coach. I'm. I'm,
1: I'm. I'm sorry to hear you're an Atlanta Hawk. we got to get you some Maryland Eastern show real Hawk gear. Uh, <laughs> and and, and uh, you know, make sure you're, you're, you're representing the right Hawk down there. <laughs> I, hear that. I hear that, Coach. Hey, man. Uh,
0: what does job mean to you, man, leading the, the Eastern Shore Hawks, man? I know you was in the G League with the Sixers there, but now you got your head gig here coming up then the MEAC conference. How you feeling about that, Coach?
1: I feel excited about it. You know, a lot of people – don't know that 11 years ago, um, I pursued this job um, back when they hired Frankie Allen, who um, I'm actually good friends with now and uh, built a great relationship with him. And uh, so, yeah, when I was an associate head coach of the Naval Academy, 11 years ago around this time, I I was pursuing trying to be the head coach of Maryland. I always had my eyes on this job. So to be able to to get it this time around, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the incredible campus we have, the, the facilities, the dynamic people that we have. On our campus, our administration, our alumni, I'm ready to get to work, man.
0: Small world, Coach. When I was a young man coming up, I used to go to Coach Allen's camps at Tennessee State University. While I was a time with my mother. That's how I've known Coach Allen for many years. <laughs> so that's small okay, world.
1: Okay, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff.
0: Yeah, man, he's a he was a great dude, man, a great dude, and I and I, I, that's, that's crazy. You've been on his job for eleven years, man. That's that's and how how it all comes around. Now the gig is yours. So now that the gig is yours, man, what are your thoughts about putting your spin on this program? that you know, you've been there that long, but now you're trying to put your imprint on it. Now, so how's that been going so far? Well,
1: I think you know, I got my keys yesterday. They first gave me some keys last week. It didn't work. So, so the first win of the week this week was I got keys that work. So we're, we're doing well there. Um, oh, no. I can get in the building, and I can get in my office. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to say we just had six re- six recruits up today. So we were, we were uh, running around with those guys and, and, and giving them a chance to see campus and, and uh, explore some things. And uh, I, I'm just I'm, – I'm really excited about trying to, you know, implement these two core words of, of our program. And one is family – you know, we want to just really, you know, have a brotherhood here with our players. We want to be a family with our alums, our administration, our community, uh, family with even people like you uh, that, that 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 support us and oh, and even sometimes you know, talk bad about us not doing good. You know, but everybody's family, and and we want to have that type of uh, culture here. And then we we talk a lot about tenacity and, and having some edge and how we play offensively, how we play defensively. So, you know, that's my main goal right now is is to really get the culture right here and, and based around family. And tenacity. One thing, I, one thing about me, coach, I don't
0: bash because, you know, with my job with the Hawks, I have to spin everything to make it sound good. So <laughs> I don't bash. <laughs> so I've learned how not to bash, make it all sound good. If you lose I'll make it sound good. Well, he was scored 20 points on the second half. So I make it always make it sound good no matter what it is. So I've learned that skill with the Hawks. <laughs>
1: Yep, yep, yep. I got you, I got you. Now, all good. You know, i just saying that sometimes <laughs> it's your job to be critical and be and, and, and stuff, and that's all good. It, it comes with the territory, and, you know, I accept everything that, ha- that comes with the position.
0: Now, I know you're happy about this. You get to kind of recruit your guys in the sense of getting them to buy into your system, they make to the see if they want to be a Eastern Shore Hawk going forward, because that's really key. As a new coach coming in there, you got to make sure the guys buy in and want to really be a part of the program. You don't want any guys who don't really want to be there maybe making, making the whole puzzle not fit, the, fit all the way right because they want to do their own thing or they're not bought into what you're trying to sell these guys to build this program up the way you want it to be and then the MEAC conference there.
1: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, buying and culture is important, like what we talked about. So I think we have, you know, a great opportunity here because, you know, we, we didn't lose a lot to graduation, but, you know, there, there were some guys that put themselves in the transfer portal before I even got the job. Um, which created some room and and some, some room for opportunity. So right now we have seven returning players um, on scholarship and we do have a couple walk-ons that are looking to come back, but seven scholarship players returning, which creates opportunity, you know, opportunity to bring six players in and and to try to make a, you know, a big splash in terms of uh, bringing the right types of guys and that fit what we want to do. I think we have good guys coming back and the guys that the type of guys coming back that are going to strive to fit what we're trying to do. And then we're going to bring in guys that are also kind of going to be in that same mindset. So, and then we'll have three or four seniors next year. They're going to graduate. So we're going to have a chance over the next, you know, 12 months to, to, you know, to basically bring in, you know, 10 guys. And, you know, so it's going to turn into a, a new look roster extremely fast.
0: Now you're going to try to do the international route, the grad transfer route, the transfer route where a guy sits one and, plays, how many years you get left, or you know, the Juco route, or high school seniors. I know you got five ways you can do it, but what part what do you think works best for you now going forward as you build your program?
1: Yeah, I you know, for me it's going to be about we're going to be aggressive in the grad transfer route, but, you know, the, the thing about the grad transfers is we're going to be honest about the fact that, you know, you can't – everybody's telling guys they can come and get a master's in one year. <laughs> you know, like we're going to take the right grad transfers that understand that you know, most grad programs are going to take two years, you know, so we're, we're going to do it the right way in terms of that. We're not just going to sell you on a dream with that. Um, so we're going to we're going to be active in that market. We're also going to be active in, in, in the prep school market in terms of post-grad kids and guys that have an extra year under their belt. We're going to be active in the JUCO market and looking at, you know, guys that are transfers coming out of the junior college. And then we might look at taking the right type of division one transfers that are guys coming from a higher level that might need to sit for a year and it can give us some aggressive, um, intense bodies in practice and put us in position to, to get some recruiting done for the following year. So um, that's the route we're looking at right now. We're aggressive in the prep route. We're aggressive in the JUCO transfer route. We're aggressive in the grad transfer route. And we're looking at the right Division One guys to sit out. Coming from a G League,
0: so I know that you know all about development. So I want to ask you about players, play development here this summer because this is going to be really key. It's been our new coach to kind of evaluate what you have on that roster and help those guys pick up at least one new skill this summer to help you come out to when things really get serious. So what's your play development plan this summer going to be for the guys? What will it be a lot of weightlifting, working out, conditioning,
1: on court, a little bit, of all that stuff, Coach? Yeah, I think we're gonna put in the total program, and you know, a lot of people are gonna look at what we do and say, "Oh, it's NBA driven." He got that from the Sixers or the, the G League, or and you know, I, I was trained the right way coming from Jay Wright of Villanova. You know, and he taught us how to do things a certain way and player development and uh, and getting guys better has always been an emphasis in terms of what I've done in my entire coaching career. So, but you know, so that that's how I was raised in this business. So. You know, I think that skill training every day is going to be important for us. Daily vitamins, we'll call them, you know, things that we've got to do fundamentally in terms of footwork, you know, passing, catching, shooting, you know, defensive fundamentals and vitamins every day in terms of our sliding and the way we close out and our help side and our talking, you know. And then we're going to try to do some things creative and dynamic in the weight room in terms of how we train and implementing some plyometrics and some things, uh, a lot of core training and flexibility. Utilize this great facility we have where we have an Olympic track right outside, uh, right behind our gym. And we've got an Olympic pool right here and the weight rooms right here. So um, I think we have a chance to do some special things. I also, so we have like a big like prairie where like, like there's a lot of open space around here for some uh, some some nice. what we call them in the military motivational PT you know, motivational, physical training. So anytime something's not going the right way, I think we got a lot of space around here for some uh, motivational PT. (laughs) I hear that. (laughs) So I think, you know, with with the training we're going to do and the dynamic of the style of play, we're going to be fast-paced. We're going to push the heck out of the ball. We're going to defend 94 feet. We're going to switch defenses when we can and just try to be a team that makes you uncomfortable.
0: And non-con schedule-wise, it's tough for guys coaching the swack and the MIAC. You all all on the road pretty much the whole non-con season. So beyond those guarantee games, you have to play. You can try to get some guys to come over there to incest and play you guys, or two for one, or home and home. You can get some guys to come out there and play you guys. There are non-D, there are D one guys. I just play those D D two schools because they don't really help you much RPI-wise. Yeah,
1: you know, I think I think we might have probably the strongest stretching schedule in the country next year when I look at what the, the thing that, that was laid out for me. I didn't have anything to do with this schedule, but we're going to play some heavy hitters. We got Baylor, we got Stanford, we got Oklahoma, uh, we got Penn State, we got uh, Virginia Tech. It's um, five high majors, and then we've got five mids in Fordham, UNC Charlotte, uh, East Carolina, uh, Liberty, um, and one other. I can't, I did a good job. I named most of them. Uh, uh, forget the other one. Um, one more that we, that we got. Nah, nah, nah. So those are going to be the, the mid-majors, and then we have um, a couple of uh, low-major teams that we're going to play. Not many, but so the, the, our schedule is going to be a, a very intense, tough uh, schedule, you, you know, and, and not a lot of uh, non-D1 games on there. <laughs> you know, maybe there's one, and then we've got a home-and-home with Longwood. Um, outside of that, everybody else is going to be Atlantic 10, you know um, <laughs> you know acc big 10 you know big east you know games like that so um it's going to be a lot on the road and, and we're going to use it as an opportunity to you know gain some incredible experience against upper level teams to put us in the best position to compete um against our, our league so i'm excited about it i'm excited about it. at least
0: those games pay well <laughs>
1: They, yeah, so I'm trying to put it in the best way possible. Yeah, so we gotta we gotta make some money, keep the lights on. So yeah, at least, at least they pay well. <laughs> I
0: just called it RC, At least they pay well.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But it's what it is, and you know, and I think you know, you know, it, it's, we're not the only ones that have to go through it. I think some some have to play. Um, you know, we probably play a little more than some other schools, but you know, I think that uh, we're up for the challenge, and we're going to use it as a as an opportunity to just kind of go against elite programs and. And try to get better so regardless of the score we're, we're going to keep coaching every possession and uh put ourselves in position to one day start to win a few of those games yeah, that that's what know. we're trying to build we're trying to build a situation of my best friend rob jones is the head coach of norfolk state my guy um, rob he, he, I love, I that's my dude too. yeah, yeah <laughs> that's my guy yeah he, and he's had a chance to build something special down there and you know um so i you know and, and sneak some of those games and, and win some of those you know and i look at what Lavell's done at north carolina central and you know um I think the MIAC is a conference that's still overlooked, and hopefully we can do some things to build this program up so we can be in the same conversation as those
0: schools. Yes, and I know you kind of mentioned Jay Wright a little bit. Uh, I want to also get you talked on this, Coach. Who are some other coaches and guys who really had an impact on you in your career, like Coach Allen and those guys who really helped mold the coach, helped show you the way to be the coach you are today and going to be for this program going forward?
1: Yeah, I think Billy Lang, who uh, was my head coach at the Naval Academy, we worked together at at, at uh, Villanova, and he's also we were he was also with the Sixers this past year, one of the top assistants for the Sixers. So we've got a long history of working together, side by side, in, in different ways. Um, he just got the head job at, the, at St. Joe's University, so he's also a hawk as well, <laughs> St. Joe's Hawks. Um, he's been dynamically influential in my career. Obviously, you already mentioned Jay Wright, and then obviously being a Brown, Brett Brown. Uh, this past season, you know the little bit that I was in training camp and being able to, to be around the team in the in the springtime here at the end of our G league season, I was very impressed with just how he managed the team, uh, how he managed their culture, the egos, and just kept everybody in check and just had a servant's heart. So uh, he's a superstar in this business and, and I was uh, you know just so thankful for the opportunity just to kind of be in his presence. I think when you think about the coaching pedigree I have under Jay Wright, Billy Lang and, and Brett Brown, um, I, I'm just humbled to, to be in the conversation with those guys and have learned and some things to be able to implement into what I do. Now
0: coach, how was it to coach
1: my former classmate, Robert Covington at Tennessee State and we
0: both to school together? Uh how was it to coach that guy? 'Cause he, I'm so proud of him, what he's accomplished, you know. I chose the radio route and the football route, he chose the basketball route. I think he made it right my call, I made the wrong call I'm on the radio and he's in the NBA. So but how <laughs> you know, well, was, can- was it to coach my guy?
1: You know what? I didn't really get a chance to coach him much because when I got there, um, he was kind of. Uh, we like I said, we were there for training camp, kind of watching and kind of helping as we could. But he was just a. Uh, what I noticed about him is he was a vocal guy, leader. You know, was very in tune with what was going on defensively, um, and it was it was very sad to see him go because a lot of guys loved him, not just on the team, but the the staff and and the, the city of Philadelphia really embraced him as a blue collar, hardworking guy. So. Didn't get a chance to build a, a deep relationship with him. I know he was a man of faith. I'm a man of faith, and uh, I know I know that uh, he represented that well, and uh always wish him the best. Well, it's crazy, Coach.
0: I was at the Western in Memphis when the trade went down, when I was in Memphis to play the, the, the Grizzlies. I was in Memphis with Rob when the trade came down. I just saw it the raw reaction, how it went down, man. It was just sad to see how they all went down at the same time because I was going to see him play at Memphis, dude. It was like seeing that live and how that happens live, man, it was heartbreaking for me seeing how it got loved him and yeah. how he hated to see him go.
1: No question. And I think, you know what, both teams were able to get something that they need. You know, I think at that time you saw uh, Minnesota, you know, just was in a tough spot with Jimmy Butler. And uh, I think they—they they, it was a great trade for them because they got you know good players that were happy to be there, and it was a great trade for us in Philly because you know I think Jimmy obviously was a big part of what we did. Um, so we missed Cub and everything, but I think also you saw the dynamic of Jimmy you know really serving a big role here and, and, and adding some scoring and some defense. And not that Cub didn't, because the Cub was great defensively for us, you know. But I thought a new element of scoring came, and it was pretty cool to see when everybody came together. So. Um yeah so it was i think it was a refreshing uh opportunity for for both parties
0: I told elton on march twenty third when the hawks played the sixers. The, the, y'all gotta re my man Mike Scott. He is a six man of, of big. He can play the pick and roll four, five, three. He can help out. He can start when you need him to. I see y'all sign my man Mike Scott Eldon's laugh. I know Eldon is with the Hawks too. He is laughed there and Y'all sign my man Mike. He's good for y'all. He's a good third, big off the bench for you guys. But I signed that brother. But how was be around Mike this spring? I know he crazy as hell. <laughs> but I, I know he you tripped, know, tripped you, know, tripped you, know you we, out.
1: You know what was. He's got an incredible work ethic. You know, he, 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 he comes out there and gets the shots up daily, extra shots. Um, he, he's he's very intentional about working on his game, his craft, and his shooting and, and uh, putting that extra time. And so got nothing for, but respect for, for him and what he's done uh, individually to get himself better and what he brought to the organization. And, Coach, i tell
0: you what, man, I think you're in a great spot at your location on Eastern Shore. you right near, near D.C. You get to Virginia, going go down to Virginia get players. You can get, go over to Baltimore City and get players. I mean, I love the opportunity you have there, Coach, and I know you saw, saw same things, the same things I'm seeing now about. you something you can build. I mean, you're you going there with a clean slate. You really can get this thing going because you can get that roster turnover for you guys and really build a solid foundation, man. I'm happy for what you got going on, Coach. I feel it's going to be a great thing for you at UMES right now.
1: I appreciate it. I think we got a lot of work to do. You know, we kind of got the job late here, so we're we're doing our best to try to get involved with the best available talent that's out there right now and at the same time trying to, you know, get a head start on next year's recruiting, um, you know, and, and trying to take the guys that we do have here, to, that, that are foundational guys, and get them better. Um, it's going to take some time, you know, and I think that you look at the history of this program, you know, it's this program that's never been in the NCAA tournament, and uh, we're going to try to do some things differently um not just in terms of how we do things recruiting wise in terms of being more visible in DC, Baltimore, you know, Philly, New York City. We're also going to try to put ourselves in position to uh, to take some chances on some on some guys that maybe, you know, previous staffs haven't tried to do that with. And I think that if if we can do that in a high level, it's going to give us the best chance to try to put together a competitive roster that can, you know, at some point uh, you know, have a chance to compete for Mi'ak Championships.
0: Well, coach, if anything I can do for your program, if you let me know, let let your media guy know, hit reach out to me. I love to help you guys out. I love helping out at HBCU schools, from Tennessee State University. I have a soft spot for you guys in the MEAC and, and Hampton, and of course my mama mater as well. So I want to help you guys as much as I can. Give you all a platform to hear, so you can get players here in Atlanta to listen to listen to about your program, so you can, they can say, hey, if Georgia's taking, Georgia's on recruitment, me, I go somewhere else too, and still have a great career, give me a good good degree
1: as well. Hey, JR, all we got to do is get you the right Hawk shirt, and then every, and your life is going to be so much better, man. Once <laughs> we do that, I'm going to get your address. I'm going to get that the right Hawk shirt down there, and then you're going to be coming in. You're going to go from the boss man to the Hawk man. <laughs> <laughs> the Hawk man. I like that. The Hawk. I think I already the Hawk man. It's, 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 it's,
0: it's, I'm already I'm the Hawk man.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, but the I right Hawks. I got you the right
0: Hawks, though. I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> hey well coach nah, it's funny. been great appreciate talk that. to you That's man i'm show. i'm happy it's, you got me pumped up coach I, i'm i'm loving hearing what you got going on up there um i'm looking forward to seeing what you guys got going on like i said let me know if i can help you out any way if i can i'll do it coach thank you so much for your time today man
1: good enough appreciate your hawk fans as i tell them it's time to unite get ready yep. talk to you soon jr yes indeed
0: folks it's coach crafton here on the Bossman Show.
2: Grab a hold of big breakfast flavor
1: at Hardy's. Try two breakfast sliders for just two ninety nine. Get applewood smoked bacon or freshly grilled sausage with fluffy eggs and golden melty cheese, all on a toasty little bun. Good morning, start at Hardee's. Available now for a limited time at participating restaurants. Tax not included.
0: All right, folks, back here, Gerald the, the boss Man Show. Back with one of my buddies from Memphis, Tennessee, my man Philip Dean Phil, How are things over the nine hundred one, man? Everything's doing. Everything's great, Bossman. How we doing? Hey, I'm I'm recovering, man. I'm happy for you guys, but sad for us about the ping pong balls. <laughs> I'm it's, in recovery mode still. To... <laughs> well, you got two
2: you got two top ten picks, but it, it's still crazy to me how the draft, how the NBA's franchises all depend on a couple of ping pong balls.
0: You're right. <laughs> You're so correct. Oh. <laughs> you
2: just. I franchised- Franchise's future, unlike if they're getting the right superstar or how they build season tickets, all depends on a couple of ping pong balls. It still fascinates me, and I think that like, places like the NFL is watching it like, maybe we should try that.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of excitement. Think about this, field. So many cities had draft lottery watch parties last week, and most of us left, left disappointed, as we did in Atlanta, but... New Orleans got the number one pick, and you guys got the number two pick, and then the Knicks got three, which made their fans go crazy. L.A. jumps up to four, and I'm seeing these flattened odds really – he the tanking that the Hawks did for sure that I know they did. I'm, I'm privy to it. And I know Memphis was tanking a bit to try to keep the pick away from conveying to a degree. And it helped out the Grizz in a, in, in a great way with the flattening out of, the, of these odds here. So it's crazy how the odds being flat and really changed the whole draft dynamic and now tanking going forward probably.
2: fans they were looking at it, the lottery as just convey just try and convey the pick. I mean I can tell you nobody has any expectations of like let's go get John Moran or let's go we can totally get Zion. The basketball gods just treated Memphis very kindly because last year the Grizzlies were tanking. They were tanking to see what they can get and they, and they thought that they were going to get the first or second pick. It didn't work out but they got Jaron Jackson. This year, I mean, they played hard throughout the season. And it, the basketball guys treated them well, and they got the number two pick. But if you had told me like an hour before the dra- the draft lottery that they were getting the number two pick, I would have told you no way. There's no way. Just try and convey the pick, get this over with. But now everyone is excited. That, I mean, the chance of them, everyone here in Memphis is looking to get, hoping that they look at John Morant. I mean, Everyone is excited about this kid.
0: Yes, and I saw him play at Austin P against the, the governors up there, man. And he took over that game. It was a close game. Austin P could have tied the game, but the shot was late and they, it didn't count. But he willed that team to win at Austin P in a hostile environment up in Clarksville. And I saw the guy. He's very explosive, and I think that dynamic with Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant gives the Grizzlies two young pieces to promote to the fans of Memphis to build this thing around and get the Flags them hopping again as it used to be.
2: Absolutely. And not only that, I mean you're gonna have coaches around the league that are gonna be wanting to take that job going, seeing two guys like John Moran and Jaron Jackson going, I wanna I can I can develop those two guys. I wanna develop something with them. I wanna build help build a franchise around them. And everyone's looking at it as well as like, I guess this might be the end of Mike Conley. It could be, but the Grizzlies are holding all the cards here because now they can listen to any offer they want about Conley. They don't have to be desperate about having Conley. And they can keep Conley around till the trade deadline. And Ja can learn from Mike Conley, much as like how Jaren uh, spent time learning from Mark. I mean, it's a win-win right now for the Grizzlies with this pick.
0: No, Phil. Now, if you keep Mike Conley, would you start Ja Morant at the two with Mike Conley, or let them kind of do like the whole Carlson and Holiday thing they were doing in the Orleans for a while there?
2: I would start. I would start Ja at the two right uh, at the beginning, but like give him time uh, to where you could see some games where Ja slowly takes the point guard position because Mike. Actually likes playing at the two right now in his style of play. He likes being able to just uh, go out there and score. He wants to, and he was trying to get that from uh, Javon Carter last year because he was approaching that the bigger step of like, look, let him run some plays and, and help find me get the ball so I can I can score. So I think that's what they're going to look at with Ja is like, look, uh, we want you to be able to score. Starting off, but we need you to uh, run be a floor general in the future. And but he's this kid is just supremely talented, and I think having a guy like Mike Conley will help him uh, in the future, and especially I mean, it will still help Jaren's development.
0: Yes, and most definitely, because I think having that that young point guard with a, with a young, big, kind of like Penny Hardaway and Shaq to a degree was in Orlando, when they they, they kind of hit fire yeah. together, they came a one year apart, but when they got together that third year, look how they went to the finals, they, they beat the Chicago Bulls, and they, went to, they got swept up in the next year, but they showed that potential, and I think that's what Memphis needs, a big buzz. I feel like this team was kind of going the wrong direction. But now you get to get the fans back in there and get that buzz. Got the new front office now in Memphis. It's right. Need to hire the right coach. I think you guys are on you, on your way out there.
2: If you if you develop if you get the right coach as well, I think. And if you keep Mike Conley, it will help. It will definitely help Jonas Valanciunas pick up his option. And look at considering taking a, a long term to add a new contract with the Grizzlies as well. If you had at a piece like that, and the way Valanciunas was playing with the Grizzlies, I mean, they were it was the backcourt of Valanciunas and Jaron was extremely fun to watch, and they won a significant amount of games when they played together. So that's something as well you can look forward to as well if, if keeping uh, Valanciunas aboard.
0: And Phil, it feels like you guys only have that number two pick in the draft unless you guys buy a pick in the second round so are, there, are you hearing a lot about workouts of guys that's dot to top guys class of second round guys because i know you guys owe a p- second round pick next year as well so so how, how are you seeing to get the, the grizzlies go about the draft just knowing you got the number two pick right now uh
2: i think that's the first thing they're looking at right now is just uh Working on at the number two pick. Do I see them maybe trying to make a trade to get a, see if there's something in the in the second round, possibly? But I think their focus right now is just this first round pick, and uh, they're going to be getting a lot of calls about Mike Conley. I mean, teams from Miami and Utah, um, Dallas. Those are going to be teams that are gonna be calling them around the trade deadline, just saying, "What do you want from uh, for us to have Mike Conley?" And that might include it, and they might be able to get another first-round pick, and there might be someone you can get out of that as well. But in the, I would say they need to look, if they're going to trade Mike Conley, see what first-round picks you can get in the future. Don't look right now. You already got the number two pick. See what you can get in 2020, 2021.
0: Exactly. And looking at the roster, do, I think DeLon Wright deserves a qualifying offer after that Performance he put on at the end of the year for, for you guys. Are you hearing they're going to actually give him the, the QO or, or no, probably?
2: Um, I'm sorry, you cut out that for a second. Oh, what, yeah, the, the you line think?
0: right. I want to know about him. Uh, yeah. uh, he played real well. I think he deserved the qualifying off at least, Phil, so y'all can match him. If, if he gets something better out there on the market, you can match it. Because I think he'll be a good backup point guard to Ja Morant. If you trade Mike Conley away this offseason or at the deadline as well?
2: Oh, absolutely! I think he is a perfect backup point guard for the Grizzlies, and 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 he's a great insurance policy as well. I mean, look what ha- happened when Mike Conley decided uh, got hurt again. But like he came in and stepped up, and it was like the th- three of the last four games, he got a tri- he got a triple double. Yes. So I mean, fire. he he he, is, he was on fire. I mean, he, he's the per- – I think he will want to stay in Memphis, but he's going to get a lot of offers right now. So we'll um, – but I think it would be great if he could stay in Memphis.
0: Yes, indeed. And I want to ask you about my two Hawk buddies, Justin Holiday and uh, my man Dorsey. I don't think Dorsey's probably back, but maybe Jay Holiday maybe.
2: Yeah, I think Holiday Hall- – I think – Dorsey has a better chance of staying in Memphis. I think that it, he really proved himself to be on a ro- NBA roster right now. Um, I think uh, with a guy like Holiday, the Grizzlies are still looking for the right wing position, r- right wing guy right now. And I don't think Holiday was it. I mean, he started off slow, but he picked up progress uh, as the season went on. But I think I don't see Holiday in a – on a, in a Grizzlies uniform next year, Dorsey I think will spend more time in the G League. I mean, it's going to be a full set. I mean, full set of point guards uh, for the Grizzlies. I mean, with Conley and then Morant, and then you got Javon Carter and Del- DeLon Wright. So Dorsey's going to have to really prove himself to get that spot. But I think he he has definitely earned an NBA a spot on the NBA roster.
0: Yeah, I hated we got we we tra- hey, we traded him to you guys for Shelvin Mac. I'm gonna cut my man, Shelvin Mac. Thought my friend was coming back. He said, Man, they cut me, bro. I'm like, Why? we <laughs> I said to him, he's like, I don't know. You ask them why, man, but like, I was like, it was like crazy. Like, they trade two of my buddies for each other, but then they cut my man, Shelvin Mac. But I hope he gets a job somewhere real soon. Now, Joe Kim Noah, I feel like Phil, that's maybe a coach thing. I mean, he played well for you guys. I was off the bench last year, he showed he had a little bit left in the tank. He could be a nice backup piece for a team. Uh, do you want? Do you, do you think he'll, if JV comes back, would that be a good backup for JV and Jaron Jackson?
2: I think he would. I think he would definitely want to do that. I think uh, that's something Jaron will definitely fight for, and um, he definitely loved learning from Keem. Um, after the Gasol trade, and I uh, loved working with them, and I know they developed a great uh, friendship, um, and I know that goes the same with Um I think it will depend on the coach, and I think also there's going to be some team, veteran teams, uh, teams that have been there in the playoffs this season, that will, are, will look for a backup, point, uh, backup center and, uh, see what kind of offers they can make to Joaquin. It's just a matter of what does Joaquin want. Does he want to help build a, a new roster that has a lot of potential in the next few years, or does he want to go to a playoff team and try and get a championship before he retires?
0: Yeah, and I'm not hearing much about you guys' coaches, except for that guy from that JV knows. I haven't heard anybody, and I know they interviewed Igor K- K- Koskov, and I'm like, you, you don't want to do that, because I remember that other coach that you got the guy from Phoenix, or I forget the guy's name, Mark Averoni, or whatever his name was, who was bad. So yeah. like, you don't want to go that route anymore. But it's like, I'm not really here yeah. much on, on the coach front for you guys, and I'm figuring out this is, this is a pretty decent job now with the number two pick in the future. Uh, I, I don't even want a guy maybe to d- develop somebody, but, like, you got to feel that role because you're about to have a draft. I need to have a coach and a system to draft towards, but I know you're going to go get my ramp, but July's coming right up the corner here.
2: Right, and the thing with the head coach right now, is I, I believe their mindset right now is we need to find a coach that can legit coach. We don't need to look for someone that they've looked in the past with Fizdale and Biggerstaff and like, I think he can coach and he can help develop talent so let's give him an opportunity. they need to find they're trying to find someone that they know that can help coach this team immediately can help them develop and help help them get wins immediately and find a way to develop around Jared and John Moran but it's just they don't want to find someone that where they have to side, I think he can coach this team. They need to find. They're trying to find someone that, like, we know in our hearts that this guy can be the be the coach to help when help them win.
0: I have two guys already of mine. Uh, I know that Mark Jackson can coach and Mike Woodson can coach, but they those things have not came up. But <laughs> those two guys can coach, in my opinion. And I, I know two of those getting paid good. He don't want to leave that money on the table from Minnesota. But there are some options out there, but I think they're like Kokoskov was not even the coach in Phoenix. Joe Pruncy was doing all the work. Not Kokoskoff. Right. So I'm like, why's he even getting interviewed? <laughs> you know, that threw me off too. Or at Tor Massino, right. San Antonio. Or even Becky Hammond, maybe. I mean, there are options, but y'all have only heard those two names. I know they wanna be diligent in, in their in their work, but there's some names out there that you can interview that that would be great for Memphis and have, we have one already.
2: Right, and I think that there's, there's, I believe there's six names right now that they that they have interviewed. Um, I think the last one was Nate Tibbetts from Portland, the assistant coach there. Um, uh, Jaron Collins, but like I think those are those are names as well. I mean, with Messina and Becky Hammond, um, I think those are two that I would definitely try and look for. But I'm, I bet they're waiting to see what happens with Popovich and. They can get that job when he retires, but it's they've got. They're trying to. Their mindset right now is: let's find someone we know that can actually help develop talent and can help win.
0: Yeah, I, I hope that you all get somebody good real soon. And I really like what you guys have going on. I'm gonna ask you about this because Golden State went to, going to the finals once more. They they won by Kevin Durant and did you think that they could win real off five and a half games with just this great play after losing Durant when they had when they had to play the bench all year long when last night of the season they come to Memphis pretty much with their backup guys and got beat by you guys it's like so it's like did you think mm-hmm. this, was, this was possible with how the Warriors used their bench this year
2: oh absolutely and I think that's one of the biggest parts of their success is what is their how deep their bench is and. I can't, I'm still baffled by people thinking that, like, oh, well, since Kevin Durant's out, uh, Portland's got a chance. Well, there's Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala. I mean, do I need to keep going? I mean, uh, I mean Steph Curry had to st- take his game back just to help uh, bring up Kevin Durant. I mean, to make exactly. it his team. But, like, the – Everyone is just now forgetting, like, oh yeah, this is Steph Curry's team. It's Steph Curry's team from the beginning. He just had to take a step back for Dur- um, for help to help uh, let Durant build up. And like, Curry- I mean, Steph has just been phenomenal. I mean, when I knew that they were going to sweep Portland, uh, Portland was just too exhausted from that seven game series, and it was just, I mean, there's whoever the Warriors face in in the finals whether it be Toronto or Milwaukee i mean we're going to have to take them very seriously cuz i could see the, i i could totally see them either, sweeping either one of those teams
0: exactly and you know i know coach bud from time in atlanta he's running the same plays ran with the hawks I could tell the Warriors every play every play I could tell every play he runs if I wanted to because Quinn Cook and Damian Jones (laughs) are my friends if I wanted to hey this is what he's going to do but it's like Milwaukee Milwaukee plays nine guys now brogdon's playing well you know elio playing decent george hill and other cat they bring out the bench but milwaukee cannot really shoot the, they cannot really score the ball the way you think they get in transition and but you in a half-court setting you just put either Clay thompson or durant if he plays on Giannis. you saw what kawai did to him and they're all the guys to beat you and i feel like you got to look, look at the Warriors bench. You don't need all you play your bench is for the Warriors and spot minutes and milk your stars because you, in the finals you have two days off in between games But most of the time, unless it's the game between one and two and, th- and three and four. So you pretty much got two days off. So you'll be good and rested to go, and I feel like Milwaukee's not been there and it won't be ready for any intensity, and if you throw in De- DeMarcus Cousins until the mix V gets back, Milwaukee's outmanned and will get beat <coughs> and slaughtered, if you ask me. <laughs>
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think Toronto is the more deeper team, and they have the more deeper bench to go go one on one with Golden State. I don't think they can beat them. I could see, I could see Toronto in that series winning one or two games out of that series. I mean, when you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard who has been insane throughout the playoffs, I mean, he's going to help you win. He's going to help you win games against the Warriors. But it's a matter of can they beat them four times? So. I just I, with Milwaukee, I just see it's their starters that's helping them get through this series right now, and it's um, I've noticed that too with Budenholzer, he's running all to his exact same plays and it, that he did in Atlanta, and i I noticed that in Game One, and it's just I mean for them to have a guy like Anthony Kumpo, I mean if he's helped them carry so far, but I don't think he's ready yet to be in the finals.
0: You got that right, because when I hear hear him say five flow and five down and see, I'm like, this is the same stuff I heard in Atlanta. The same. It's just the same stuff. Like, I can, I know how to beat these plays because I've been in practice. I, I can beat every play you run, man. Especially after you caught the draft pick last year. But I let that go because we got Trey Young, Phil. I let that go. See, we got Trey Young. <laughs> but, but I know you won games on purpose last year to screw up our draft pick. I know that because everybody in the world knew it on our team. So, but yeah, so it's like, yeah, Coach Bud, know what's up, man. But yeah, I can say it, man. That's why I can't watch FS1 or ESPN. These talking heads get on my nerves with all these, all this propaganda they spew. They're like, you guys played basketball. You guys are athletes, and you're spewing media propaganda from a researcher. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, it blows my mind, Phil. Uh,
2: it's unbelievable. And how about uh, Jaron Jackson and Trey Young being named the NBA All-Rookie uh, Team First Team today?
0: I, I saw that, and also Kevin Herter of the Hawks' second team. So, I think feel we got some good draft picks here. We got some good young guys. I, th- I think we did.
2: I think that. I think we did okay today. I think we did okay this year with draft picks. Maybe they can
0: do it again next year. Yes, I'm hoping, man. I'm, I'm hoping for a Cam Reddish now and this kid from Texas that's kind of raw, because we need we need a, a young five. I'm not really high on Amari Spellman. He's my dude, but I don't know why we have him. We have John Collins. This is Antonio Prince. We can get rid of him, too. And Ken Batesmore, yeah. bye-bye. But, you know, herder Trae Young, Collins, Cam Reddish, and a young big, yeah, five young guys, and hopefully we'll be good in, you know, a, two years or so so we can have fun <laughs> again. think uh, <laughs>
2: I think Cam Reddish would be a great fit for Atlanta.
0: Yes indeed, because we need a small forward and and Prince, bro, is not what it is. I mean, he's a nice and young man, but I've seen your best and hopefully we'll have Vince Carter yeah. for one more year. I'm praying for that. One more year Vince Carter.
2: I think he I think we got one, I think he he needs one more year. I think he got he's got one more year left in the tank, and he needs to do a victory victory lap like Dirk did.
0: Yes, he does, and I look forward to the Memphis trip. And uh, I have my our guys Peter and Brevin are fish out there, serenading my man, and you know letting them know how to city the Memphis feels about him. Because I said I I told people all the time, Memphis treated Vince Carter well. You know he had a great time there, and I'm glad we could enjoy him That's in right. Atlanta at least for a year. You know, hopefully for one more. But but he had a great time. He talks about Memphis all the time. How he loves you guys, and how it was a good it was a, it was a good cool place place to be and play play ball.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I, miss, I miss watching Vince Carter play every night. He, he's one of the most – he's a pure gentleman, and it's an absolute uh, honor to cover a guy like him.
0: Yes, indeed. with well, Phil, thank you for your time, my brother. I can talk for you. Congrats on that master's degree, man, and we'll be talking to you down the road, brother. Uh, get get John right Moran in the house, man, and get the face for him cooking again, brother.
2: <laughs> All right, boss, man. I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, as anytime,
0: always. time, Phil. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, ma'am. All right, folks, it's Philip Dean, my man, here on the Boss Man Show.
3: It's maybe the night my might let me know. All the stars are
0: closer. All the stars are Tell me what you're
1: going to do to me. Confrontation ain't nothing new to me. You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue, but you can't bring the truth to me.
0: Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and Scissor.
2: Okay. Maybe-
3: With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.
0: All right, folks, back in the Jar the Boss Man show as promised, we're joined by the Atlanta's Atlantic Chris Kirchner Talk about your Atlanta Hawks here on the Boss Man show, Chris. Man, I know you've been busy with the draft lottery, the combine, and everything. How's it been going for you with the offseason so far, brother? Yeah, I mean it's definitely uh,
3: busy. Even though the Hawks were obviously eliminated from the playoffs. You know, the one thing with the NBA is there really isn't an off season because you always have something to do, whether it is the draft or the combine, like you said. So yeah, I mean it's definitely been pretty busy.
0: Yes indeed. And uh were you at the draft lottery party, uh, and how was the vibe there and when the picks came out It was the eighth and tenth pick, not what the fans and the team wanted, but you still got two first round picks in the top ten. Yeah. I mean,
3: you know, I talked to a uh, Hawks owner, Tony Ressler, because I, I was actually in Chicago um, for the lottery itself, um, actually in the room when the ping pong balls came out. But, you know, I talked to the Hawks owner, Tony Russler, and as he said, I mean, you know, they have two top 10 picks. So, you know, it's hard for an organization to be really upset with that because, you know, anytime you get two top 10 picks in any sports draft, you know, you have to make them work. And, you know, that's what the Hawks have to do right now.
0: Exactly. And just coming off today, when you get the Hawks with a Trey Young, first team All NBA rookie, Kevin Herter, Mm -hmm. second team All NBA rookie, uh, and you have two other picks to add to it, hopefully a Cam Reddish or that Cat from Texas at the 10th pick, you're going going to have five young rookies who can develop together, and the Hawks can be very formidable down the road when you have five first round top flight draft picks. If you don't throw in number six with Amari Spellman there as well.
3: Yeah for sure I mean I think right now from what we saw from the Hawks this past season I mean obviously they win 29 29 games and it's not really a number that should be celebrated all that much but when you look at what this team accomplished a lot of people thought heading into the season 20 games if they won that would be a lot and I think they definitely exceeded expectations and then you possibly add two more draft picks to the young foundation that they already have right now. And we're talking about a team that could definitely be one of the more exciting and one of the more uh, successful teams in the NBA moving forward.
0: And I'm saying Travis Schlink is really doing a great job. You know, he came from up through Miami with Pat Riley. He was in Golden Mm -hmm. State all those years. And he learned out there. I mean, he is really building through the draft here, and he has three second-round picks, which I doubt he'll use all three. Uh, right. Maybe he can pack, package all three for a late first, maybe, or you know, draft and stash some of those guys or sell those picks off. So he has options with those second-round picks as well after you make those first two picks of eight and ten there.
3: Yeah, for sure. And I think the one thing about Travis is that um, you know, in the two years that he's been in Atlanta – He's hit on, you know, pretty much every single pick that he's made. Uh, You know, he got John Collins and Kevin Herter both at 19 in their drafts. um, And both guys have turned into the steals of their drafts um, up until this point. So I think for the Hawks fans who are kind of disappointed with the way the lottery turned out, I mean, just look at what Schlenk has done in these past two years. I think you have to have confidence in what he's already done. So, i think the hawks definitely have a lot of options of what they can do um as you mentioned they do have three second round picks in this draft um and travis has said before that you know they're probably not going to add five rookies to this team because you know that would just be too much so there's definitely possibilities of what they can do as you said i mean they could package some picks and try to get back into the first round they could package some picks and You know, try and acquire a young player. I mean, there are a lot of options when you have five picks in a draft.
0: And, Chris, what I'll try to tell the listeners before you came on here is that Travis was a assistant coach first before he transitioned to the front office role. So Travis can see it from a coach and a player perspective. He played ball himself and he Mm -hmm. sees the front office perspective. So he has the whole matrix of how to – evaluate talent. He played, he coached, now he evaluates. So he has all three, so he has a good, trained eye for a player. That's why fans should be more open and more optimistic rather than be down about not getting Zion.
3: Yeah, for sure. uh, You know, throughout the the season, uh, Travis made his way to plenty of Hawks games, but the ones that he wasn't at, you know, he was on the road scouting. You know, he doesn't take days (laughs) off, so you know, again, yes, there's some disappointment to be had, you know, the team doesn't win the lottery. So obviously they can't get Brian Williamson, but you know, from what we've seen out of Travis so far, I think Hawks fans should be excited about the possibility of adding two top 10 picks when we've already seen that in Travis's two years, he's had success. So, you know, to have this kind of draft where you have five picks and you can, you can do a lot of damage, you know, Really solidify this young core. So, I definitely think there should be more excitement than I've seen out of Hawks fans.
0: Yes, indeed. And also, Chris, having 8 and 10 now, to me, allows you to be more flexible in agency. What I mean by that is you can now trade for a bad contract to maybe wave like deal with Melo, or you can get an extra pick out of somebody mm-hmm. for a bad contract. You don't have to sign anybody because you're going to have five rookies locked into. Rookie scale contracts. So that's on right. the books right there. So you have room on the books now to maybe take on a bad contract and get a sweetener or two to help you team down the road.
3: Yeah, for sure. And as we've seen out of the Hawks so far, um, you know, they're not scared to take on those bad contracts. Um, you know, they did the, the Miles Plumley deal when they sent off Dwight Howard. And obviously, Plumley, he's getting paid $12 million per year, but, you know, they got rid of someone who they didn't want. On, in the organization anymore in Dwight Howard. So, I mean, the Hawks have, have shown that they're not afraid to do those kinds of deals. And it really wouldn't surprise me if they do another one of those deals in the offseason. You look around the league, you have guys like um, Alan Crabb from the Brooklyn Nets. I think he's getting like $18 million a year. He's on an expiring contract. Perhaps the Nets want to accelerate their rebuilding process and they package Crab with one, with their first round pick, I think it's 16, if I'm, if I'm correct. Um, you also have the Clippers and D- Danilo Gallinari, who's making, I think $21 million and the Clippers want to make moves in free agency, um, get a guy like Kawhi Leonard possibly. So he can definitely be someone that the Hawks are interested in. And I think he would fit really well with the way he shoots the ball. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of options. The Hawks can go, you know, cause they do have the, the, the salary cap flexibility, um, you know, they have a maximum cap space of right around $40 million this offseason, and they have five draft picks. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of options the Hawks can take.
0: Yeah, and no, I would maybe package Baysmore and Plumley to do like a bad-on-bad bad contract situation where you take on more money and get your extra pick, where you just have one player and get rid of two and add one and just take on an extra pick so you can have a flexibility to have a, have a young guy on the roster, maybe a Deontay Davis maybe, mm-hmm. if he's trying to turn it in some some league here coming up here real soon.
3: Yeah, I mean, like I said, there are options. I don't know if it's possible to package both Baysmore and Plumley in the same deal just because I don't know of many teams that would want both those bad contracts on the books, maybe one of them. And um, if anything, separate deals, I just don't think Plumley has really much value at this point of his career. Um, if anything, he's probably a third center on a team. Baysmore definitely has value. Um, you know, he definitely fell off um, after he sprained his ankle. So I think teams are probably going to want to see him perform at the level he was at the beginning of last season, just to see like, okay, did he get his explosion back? Can he still be a useful piece? You know, before the injury happened to Bazemore, I definitely think that if he stayed healthy, the Hawks could have gotten quite a a nice return because Bazemore was playing some of the best basketball of his career. I know he's definitely, one of those guys that Hawks fans love to ridicule because of his contract. But, you know, you look at those first couple months of the season this past year, and you could definitely make the case that Bazemore was the team's best or second-best player. So I think fans sometimes forget about that. But as far as his contract goes, I think what we're going to see, especially if he is on the trade market, which, I mean, he's been for several years now, but I think teams are probably going to want to see him return to his normal self which it shouldn't be an issue. I mean, it was just a sprained ankle, and having the off season to recover should definitely get his explosion back, and we should see the old base more.
0: I'm thinking, Chris, that Dwayne Debbin's probably going to get big money elsewhere, and he probably won't be back with the Hawks, and you'll probably see yeah. Lynn starting again next year at the center.
3: Yeah, that's probably my thinking as of now. Um, you know, Debbin definitely did uh, really good things in his, in his couple seasons in Atlanta. Um, he's definitely turned into one of the better shooting bigs in all of the NBA. So I definitely think he's, he's deserving of a big payday. I just don't think it makes much sense for the team to give him that payday to be Atlanta, just because, as you mentioned, Alex Len, I think Alex showed that, you know, if Dedman didn't return to the Hawks, that the Hawks do have a young center who's making $4.5 million, 25 years old, he can develop into something. I mean, he still hasn't reached his full potential yet. I mean, this was his first season this past year, shooting three. He shot 36% from the field um, on over 200 attempts across the year. So I definitely think that what we saw out of Alex kind of lessens the blow of losing someone like Deadman. I mean, again, the Hawks could decide to re-sign him. I just don't think that's what what's going to happen just because I think Deadman can probably get somewhere Around ten million to twelve million a year and I just don't think the Hawks where they're at right now should pay that amount of money to a center.
0: And I'm assuming that Travis will probably give just the answer to the qualifying offer, see what he gets on the open market and maybe bring him back uh at that three point six million dollar figure of his qualifying offer.
3: You, you said Justin Anderson.
0: Yeah, I think he'll probably give yeah. him a qualifying offer and bring him back at that number, or maybe say, "Nah, we will see what you get, and if you come back, we'll give you the vet minimum." Maybe
3: that, that's probably the the option that they're likely going to go. I just don't think giving Anderson the qualifying offer makes a lot of sense because if the Hawks do that, um, I believe his qualifying offer is three point six million. But if they give him the cap, I mean, if they give him the qualifying offer. He's then a seven and a half million dollar cap hit. And for a guy who didn't really play all that much throughout the season and Anderson was, you know, an end of the bench guy, someone who got in the garbage time. So I just don't think paying someone $3.6 million to be an end of bench guy really makes a bunch of sense, even though he was definitely uh, someone that was beneficial in the locker room, both Trey Young and Kevin Herter credited Anderson being that mentor that they really went to throughout the season but again I don't know how much that really matters at the end of the day if his on-court production doesn't match up with the kind of salary that he would get if he did receive that qualifying offer so I think if Anderson did return to the Hawks he would probably have to do so through free agency I mean he is a restricted free agent so I think the Hawks will probably you know um, see what he can get on the open market, and then decide at that point. Okay, like we can we can afford him to to and bring him back.
0: Chris, I have a couple more for you. Chris, uh, and Prince, DeAndre Bembry. I think they're mm-hmm. competing for a spot on the roster I I, I I don't think you can keep both of them at this point. With how, how the draft is falling right now, eight and ten. You can't really keep both. So I'm I'm thinking that it's coming to a point maybe next year that you got to decide whether you are going to keep DeAndre Bembry or and Prince as your injury guy off the bench at at the three.
3: Yeah, I think what we're going to see this summer is going to tell us a lot about how the Hawks view both of these guys because both, both, Bembry and Prince are both eligible for rookie extensions. Now, I don't know if either of them are going to receive a rookie extension just because I think both guys have shown that they're useful in some situations. But, you know, for where the Hawks are at right now in the rebuilding process and where they want to be, I don't know necessarily if. Either of them fits perfectly with the trajectory of the future. I think what we've seen out of both, Benbury, um, you know, very good defender, can't really shoot that well. You know, if if he wants to have a future on this team, we've seen uh, Lloyd Pierce and Travis Schlenk really prioritize shooting over anything. And Benbury um, just isn't a really good uh, shooter right now. So, you know, that definitely might hinder his, future with the hawks as far as prince goes definitely one of the more polarizing players on the roster um you know quietly he actually had the best numbers of his career um this past season but you know the hawks when they drafted him really prioritized him for not only his shooting but they thought he could be a really high level defender and we just didn't see that this past year um when you look at all the metrics Prince was one of the worst defenders on the team. So I think what we're going to see this summer is that if they don't um, give Prince or Bembry a rookie extension or even do any sort of negotiations with either, that heading into next season, I think both those guys are going to be on different teams.
0: Yes, indeed. And last one I got for you, Vince Carter, back or not with the Hawks probably in your opinion.
3: I think it's going to depend on roster space. You know, if the Hawks do get at least three rookies on in this draft and have them, um, you know, be on, on the, the Hawks roster heading into next season, that would give the Hawks 12 um, guaranteed deals. And depending on what the team does in free agency, um, you know, Vince is definitely someone that is useful to have around, especially, you know, to mentor the young guys, which he did. Um, really really well this past season but again if we're talking about on the court performance um, Vince offers very little at this point of his career Um, definitely a really good three-point shooter Uh, but again he's very limited in what he can do because of his age so I think if the Hawks do have an open roster spot toward the end of the summer which is when the Hawks signed him last year I definitely think he'd return but Again, I think they're going to prioritize other guys before they actually cycle back with Vince. I I really would be shocked if come July 1st, which is when uh, free agency begins, that the Hawks announce a deal for him at that time.
0: Gotcha. Well, Chris Kirsten, you did it again, brother. You broke it down for the Hawks, for our fans. So thank you, my brother. And we'll talk to you again down the road, man, in July, August, maybe, buddy.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, folks, is Chris Kirshner of Atlantic on the Boss Man Show covering your Atlanta Hawks.
3: How do you feel about your office?
2: Is it just a space for your company or is it a space to help you grow your company? From new HQs to satellite offices, with WeWork, you can find a space that works for you. Visit we.co slash space matters to learn more.